stories of innovation and success from the vibrant communities of rural Nova Scotia. This is Ignited. Hey there, welcome to Ignited the Podcast, where we celebrate innovation and rural success. I'm Wade Cleveland. I work for a rural innovation hub called Ignite. We help build the economy in rural Nova Scotia by bringing together startups and industry, youth and community. Today we're talking with Keith Gellhorn, the CEO and founder of Advocacy, an ADHD coaching and training business he put together in 2012. Now Keith was himself diagnosed with ADHD and anxiety at the age of 34, was put on anti-anxiety and ADHD medication, but quickly realized that while pills did help him focus to a point, it did little to change the years of accumulated bad habits. Through necessity, advocacy was born. Keith, like many others dealing with neurodivergence, was unable to find proactive strategies and support for his challenges and found that too many youth and adults faced the very same problem. His story is another inspiring story of resilience. Keith, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. It is much appreciated. Thank you so much for having me. So let's start with you and your story, because I know it is quite a story, um, and the problems that you had led to what you're doing now. Basically, how it started is I was adopted into a family full of high achievers. My uh, dad's an accountant, my mom's a nurse, and my sister, I, who was born naturally to them two years after I was adopted into the family, she has a PhD in behavioral genetics trying to figure out why she turned out the way she did and I turned out the way I did given the exact same upbringing. So my dad had a thing that everybody should be created equal, which works great if you're dealing with two people who are equal. and We were definitely not. Um, so she was like an all-star athlete, academic, got a full ride scholarships down in the States for school and everything else. And then there was me. So, uh, she was in French version elementary school and getting straight A's. And I, uh, I thought if I went into French version, maybe I get to do the same thing. So I went in in grade six, the first late French version class in Canada, as a matter of fact, and, uh, Anyways, all the report cards said, you know, if Keith actually spoke French, it might actually do well. Then I went off into junior high, and it was kind of 50% French, um, or more 80% French, 20% English. And the big, any big transition was always massively problematic, right, for me. Um, so literally all through school, my biggest problem was in math. Um, so I spent every summer in summer school for math. I... Um, uh, got in a whole bunch of trouble. I was saying earlier, <laughs> I got suspended for the first time in great primary, but I got suspended many, many times over the, the next little uh, period of time. And in grade 10, my parents finally decided to put me in with a uh, uh, psychiatrist. And I remember going to this guy and just wasting time. It's felt like I was talking to him and I didn't understand why I was there. I remember he, he had my... Uh, had me uh, draw my parents as animals. So I'm like, ah, oh, my mom's a giraffe because she's tall. My dad's a crab because he's crabby. Like, what does that have to do any with anything? And uh, But one thing you did notice is that I had a knack for helping people. I always was like that. I was always good with kids when I was little. And he, he helped me get my first job, actually, working with uh, kids with autism and Down syndrome at a community center. I was making 50 bucks a week, so I'm dating myself a bit there. And, uh, but I loved it, right? These kids were, I don't know what it was. But I just had this knack for it. So in grade 11 and 12, there was a course called human services. I went into that and I got B's right through and everything else. I was C minuses and D's. And by the time I got to, uh, 
uh, high school, my buddies were all actually all making fun of me. I'm a big guy. I'm six foot seven. And, and they thought, you know, what are you doing hanging out with all these girls and the human services stuff? You should be a firefighter. And I was easily influenced by other people. I, I, even to this day, I, I often have trouble trusting my instinct because it didn't really matter what I did when I was a kid. It was always wrong. So, um, so anyways, for that, I needed to go into a, a science grade 12. I walked into the class, walked right back out, could have been written in Chinese for all I cared and went right by where I should have dropped the course. And anyways, figured it was kind of all said and done. And, um, Anyways, at the end of the year, I get called into the principal's office and they said, you're going to have to write these exams. And I said, well, I'm going to fail. And he's like, well, Keith, keep your performance here at this school. It doesn't matter what you do in life. You're always going to be a failure. And I left with a chip on my shoulder and that like a, I, I compare it to having like a sack of bad memories just following me around. So um, it was expected uh, by us to go off to university as most parents do and so I went off and I started studying a bunch of random stuff like but I wanted to be a social worker I knew that 100% um, so in you know sociology and psychology I was getting B's in economics and all the other filler courses I was failing everything and so after the first semester um, yeah I had a B in English failed philosophy and I failed whatever the other course was my dad looked at my what I did, he's like, I saved up my whole life for this. And he kicked me out of the house for being defiant, essentially. And I was like, man, if you only knew how hard I was trying, um, like he just had no concept, right? So anyway, so I've, I've struggled on my own for the next six years. Finally, I had enough credits to get into the School of Social Worker at University of Victoria, which is the only place I wanted to go. Uh, he looked at my transcript and I had around a 70% average. And he said, you know, man, based on these grades there's no way you'll succeed at higher academia go get a trade i hear plumbers make good money and the last thing on earth i always said that i always wanted to be it was a plumber just sitting at the idea of sitting under somebody's sink and i don't deal with smells well and all that stuff so uh, right around that same time too i actually met my birth dad so he'd been looking for me for seven years with the wrong birthday should have known right there there was an issue. But anyways, when he found me, um, uh, he found me and also introduced me to my birth mom. They're not together anymore, but meeting them was like, like I instantly knew I was cut from their cloth versus that family that I grew up in. And it was like kind of a sense of calm. So uh, when I was 28, 27, 28, I had an injury that put me off work for uh, uh, for a year and in that time, I'm watching all my friends dusting me, essentially, right? So everybody's, you know, 27, 28 year old. They're all getting married. They have nice cars. They've got their nice houses. And I was, uh, at the time, I was driving a truck down in the States doing, working for this uh, hydraulics company. It wasn't until I was 28 that I actually kind of figured, okay, maybe I should do something. And so I joined a trades-related program at the lo at a local nonprofit that deals with employment. And... Uh, sent out like a hundred resumes. First company wrote me back, plumbing company, of course. And so that's what I set out to do. I said, I might as well get it done. And in the trades, actually, I did, I worked in the trades my whole life. So I did hydraulics for years. I worked at a sign company. I did all kinds of odd jobs. And I was really, I wasn't great with verbal instruction, 
or even written instruction, but uh, one of the guys in the plumbing, he at one point drew a schematic drawing. So like a 3D drawing. So once I had a picture, then I could sit down and do it. And once I had the picture of what to do, you know, prior to having the picture, I was lucky if I could do, you know, a suite in a high rise in like two days. After I learned how to draw the picture and learned some different ways, like I used to go up and drill holes for the, uh, the floor above and drop plumb bombs down and lay it all up on the floor. Anyways, I could do four suites a day. So I was just flying pipe up like I was going out of style. But the issue that happened over those years was that people would see me on one thing and say, oh man, this guy's awesome at doing one thing, but I can never wrap it together. So as I started moving up the ranks and more and more responsibilities started coming, I couldn't do it, right? It was just, it was overwhelming. And then when I was 31, so in my third year, my birth dad committed suicide or completed suicide, I guess is the right language. After he died, I started to get to know his extended family and they were telling me about all these symptoms that he had. And, and I was like, man, this sounds just like me. So he had wicked anger management problems. He was all over the map. When I went to clear out his uh, property, he had like, he didn't have one bobcat, right, for his little excavation business. He had like 10 of them. He had 30 SUV, like he liked Toyotas. He had 30 of those and nothing was like completed, right? So then I started to realize kind of that really the nature versus nurture and it's something clicked in my head. I wasn't t ready to take the ownership until a little later on. So anyways, I got my tickets in 2007, moved from Vancouver up to Kelowna, was offered five years worth of work. Everything was going great. And then 2008 hit, my company went from 77 of us to four and six months and I was the last guy cut following that. Uh, I had the biggest mental health breakdown of my life. My wife-to-be came home, saw me basically curled up on the floor. Like I was just, yeah, I hit rock, the rock of rock of rock bottoms. And she encouraged me to reach out to mental health. So I did. Within a month, I was able to get in. And in Kelowna, where I was living, we were allowed 10 sessions with a mental health counselor. Here in Nova Scotia, it's only three. So thank God I had the 10. But on the ninth session, you know, if things are going along, we're dealing with grief and I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression during that period of time. And then by the ninth session, they're like, okay, we're going to have to wrap it up. And I was like, I'm not leaving. Like, what are you talking about? I'm not wrapping it up. I just got started. I said, like, how do I stay? And they said, well, only people who are suicidal can stay. And I'm like, no problem. Give me the phone right in front of her. I the clinical social worker. I was oh, yeah, I'm going to drive my car off the bridge and maybe hit a bus on the way down. And they're like, oh, you should totally stay. And I was like, yes, I should. Right? No, no intention to doing it. But, you know, I learned how to play the game over the years. And so I stayed and I went same day, same time for two and a half years. And I completely changed my life. So I did cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy, grief therapy, anger management twice, basically flipped out the other end. And I said, man, I can recite to you how I think it act and feel the way I do a thousand times over. But I wanted at that point, um, I'd had a back injury again at work, killed my plumbing career altogether. I went to this uh, ADHD support group, met people who kind of felt not to like I did. I went to the guy at the front of the room. I said, what do you do for work? And he told me he was an ADHD coach. And this is this is way back in 2010, right? It's coaching is much more common now than it was then. I literally went full hyper-focus into it, uh, found all the schools. They were all over on the East Coast and realized after I went to the community college in Kelowna, 
they basically said, you know, if you come to school here, you're going to work in a group home or a community workshop. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to do the coaching. So I flew out here, went to NSCC and met a lady. Her name is Joy LaRusic. She was the disability accessible advisor. And in 10 minute chat, she said, that's an amazing idea. Anything we can do to support you, we got your back, which I'd never, I've had a million ideas over the years. I'd never heard that from my family, friends, anything. Everybody thought my ideas were out in left field. And that's all it took. One person saying, you know, I believe in you. I sold my house. I moved out here. I went to NSCC with the expectation of becoming a cl clinical social worker. So I was planning on like eight years worth of work. Uh, but I got, end up getting my first client actually through Dalhousie University within four months of moving out here. So the person didn't need a therapist. They didn't need a tutor. They demanded an ADHD coach as part of their accommodations. I happened to be here running it. I got my first client that way. In six weeks, I got her from a 77% to an 85%. The next year, I took 10 clients and I took all the low-hanging fruit. I figured out a formula essentially is just give me all the people that you don't want to deal with. So the angrier they are, the more pissed off they are, the more problem or barriers they have. Give them all to me. I'll take them off your hands. And it worked ridiculously well to the point where all 10 of them not only graduated, but the the lowest marks they were getting are like mid seventies. Uh, most are in the eighties and nineties. They're winning awards. They're they I got them over twenty thousand dollars in scholarships. And from there, in my fourth semester at NSCC, I got permission to coach at every post secondary institution in Nova Scotia. One entrepreneur of the year. Started working with uh, Nova Scotia Works locations because I noticed like when I was finishing up with the students and they were going into careers that they needed more help. So I figured out grants that could work yeah, from that perspective. So they would handle all the paperwork and they just hand me the client. I go work for, with them for another three months. And then from there, I also worked for SEED as well. So I'd coach in the self-employment benefits uh, program there for nine years as well. And ever since, just been focused on that kind of transition. So we do coach uh, students in high school. We got a post-secondary transition program. College students is a big one. So I get 100% funding uh, every semester. You come in first year, you can stay right through PhD and get one-to-one -one coaching the whole way through. It's all free. If they are either unemployed, underemployed, had COVID, whatever, I get funding through Nova Scotia Works to potentially come and work with us. And then the entrepreneur stuff, we can run it. I just closed a client this morning and he's like, is that a medical thing? And I was like, nah, put it through his business coaching. <laughs> and it's like, same thing. And it gets a full write-off for that. But even that, I'll get funds for that too, right? I'm a wizard with grants. So that's kind of my thing. So that's a my long-winded story. I want to tell you about our Igniting Women in Business series at Ignite, providing rural women entrepreneurs an opportunity to connect, learn, and build their network through a series of initiatives, including a speaker series, young women in business galas, and a business retreat. We hope to inspire and empower diverse rural women in business across Nova Scotia. The sessions offer a space for women to discuss challenges that are faced by rural women in entrepreneurship, with opportunities to learn, network, and socialize. Women supporting women is a powerful thing. For more information on igniting women in business and to sign up for our events newsletter, visit igniteatlantic.com. What are the basic symptoms of ADHD? It's a term that gets thrown around so much. So much, yeah. That sometimes I'm, I'm not even sure. It's like there's this umbrella and whatever it might be, 
gets attributed to it. Yeah, so the there's three types of ADHD. Just that's one thing to understand as well. So back in our day, so I'm almost fifty. I assume you're probably around my age, but back in our day, the only people who were getting diagnosed of the kids were bouncing off the walls. So that would be the hyperactive impulsive subtypes. So that's only that's physical hyperactivity. So think about Dennis the Menace or Bart Simpson, that kind of a personality. That that's uh physical hyperactivity. But again, that's only 7% of the population, usually in kids. Then there's inattentive ADHD, which is more hyperactivity of the, the mind. So that's just racing thoughts. We go up and down like a yo-yo in terms of our emotions. Um, we experience rejection really difficultly. So if somebody uh, top downs us, uh, I hate that. That's why I work uh, for myself. I would say to entrepreneurs, anybody in here just can't work for anybody else like me. Like if somebody's telling me what to do, I am combative, right? I just want to, you know, I always know that there's a different way to going about it. But anyways, we all also with the inattentive side, you have uh, the disorganization, problems with time management, uh, poor communication skills, uh, anger, the, they call it now intermittent explosive disorder. So you go from zero to 102 seconds with me, I'd be yelling, screaming, punching walls, road raging there's a reason why my knuckle looks the way it does is <laughs> and i have nice arthritis because i never figured out there was 16 inches between the studs when i was nailing them when i was pissed off again overwhelm like easy overwhelm we take on way too much and then burn ourselves into the ground so a lot of what people think is depression and anxiety is not that at all it's actually adhd burnout for us we take on way too much we have no construct of really what happened yesterday and what's going to happen tomorrow we're just kind of living in the moment and then all of a sudden it starts building and building and building we're saying yes to everything and then all of a sudden we just can't do it anymore right so we have these these high highs and low lows and people will say well man just do what you did last week and it's like i don't even know what i did an hour ago right we're just kind of living in the moment on that end that internal hyperactivity that's the um that's the inattentive adhd and then the last part is combined so 33 percent have more of the inattentive and 60 percent have combined so a little bit of both usually women particularly they'll get diagnosed like if you look at most of our clients especially at the post-secondary level they're all female 18 to 30 years old, not all, but about 80% of them, uh, high anxiety, people pleasers, right? And just, they just implode. They take on everything and then just, they'll go and go and go and then they can't do it anymore. But on paper, they're all straight A students, but they're also the ones that are getting like 96% on an exam and they'll be in the office that same day, say, why didn't I get 100, right? And they just can't let it go, right? It's this obsessive thing. And it's okay pre-kids, but then those same women are usually going in and they're going to be mothers, right? But as they transition into parenthood, same with the guys too. It's one thing to manage your own lives. And then you got the parenting thing on top of it. And then you're into a whole nother gamut of challenges. So, yeah. When it comes to getting diagnosed as an ADHD person, a neurodivergent person, I would think that the younger you are diagnosed with those issues, that those issues get addressed, the better. Now, you were, what, 34 years old before you were finally diagnosed, right? Yeah. Was it a relief to feel yes. that, uh, you know, there was an explanation for what you've been going through your whole life? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's almost like a grief cycle, to be honest. 
So the first stage is like, holy crap, like how did nobody see this? That was my number one feeling is like, how could you not have seen it? And if you go back, all my report cards are exactly the same, like super chatty in class, never does his homework, right? <laughs> Combative, like it, it, like it's all over. Um, so the first thing I was like, kind of an elation that I had it. Second thing I went back to talk to my parents about it too. And they, they felt a ton of guilt. That's the sad part, right? That because if they could have identified it, then I could have potentially made changes over the years. I mean, I don't regret it, but life, life would have been way easier if had I been identified early. One of the challenges that we have here in Nova Scotia, though, is um, there are 150,000 Nova Scotians with no family doctor, not even counting all of the immigrant population, the people are coming from away, uh, all the students, right? You probably add another 50,000 people on top of that um, that aren't even residents and nobody can get assessments. So the hardest part is getting assessed for it, to be honest. Um, so in 2015, I was working out of one office, the Atlantic ADHD Center in Dartmouth. I realized that that doctor was the only one in Nova Scotia that was available. And I was like, for the entire population, you're like a million people. And one person, right? And, you know, it was waitlist or over a year and appointments were way too quick and everything else. So I started looking, I, I had this dream, I actually wrote it out. And I had this vision of an umbrella organization where you had diagnosis, prescription, coaching, counseling, alternative treatment, all my buddies, all because I've coached tons of neurodivergent entrepreneurs, and I had them all all under there so you'd have like a one-stop shop if you're a neurodivergent you come to us and away you go the th part that was missing was finding the doctor right so i've been looking honestly for like seven eight years and, and then all of a sudden i see this other guy named dr hanif shatour based out of new brunswick his company's called beyond adhd and i connected with him last october and said, hey, like, I see you're just getting going is like, what do you offer? And what he has is nurse practitioners. So the nurse practitioners in his company can not only give you medication, but also monitor it as well. Beyond ADHD is a full service. He deals with children, youth, and adults. I laid out my little dream and I said, have you ever considered having coaches as part of your thing? And he's like, why do you want it? I said, yeah, that'd be amazing. He's like, okay, send me the link. We'll put you on your website, right? So we do all the coaching for him now. Tell us a little bit about advocacy itself and you putting it together. I, sure. I know that it was born out of necessity as you put on your website, and it certainly seems that way. To create something from nothing is a pretty amazing thing. You should be congratulated for that. Um, yeah, that I appreciate that. It was honestly, it was born out of meeting that other coach. Because I'd been looking for so long. When I was in Kelowna, I knew I needed something beyond counseling. Counseling is to help you understand why you think and act and feel the way you do. I always did stuff around that. So I did um, Big Brothers for like eight years. And it was funny, the, the last company that I worked with in plumbing, as it was all kind of tanking downhill, I was always good at noticing people's interest and wondering why they were doing other things. So like... Of that company, 12 of us got laid off. 10 of us now run our own businesses. So I was like, hey, Derek, you like doing uh, teaching goalie stuff. Why don't you do that for a business? That's what he does. Another guy runs CrossFit gym. One guy's still a plumber, but has his own show. And um, it was just like a knack that I always had, right? And so where it really culminated is one of the guys that I talked out of plumbing I was like, why are you in there? You hate it and everything else. And he went back to school to do child and youth care and was loving it. 
And then right in that thick of things after I got diagnosed and I'm kind of in limbo, I phoned him up and I was just like, yeah, I don't, my back's screwed. I can't do plumbing. And he's like, why are you doing plumbing anyways? You know, you talk me out of it and I've been doing something you love and you know, you should be in something there. And he's like, take a dose of your own medicine, <laughs> like get out of there. And I actually, in hindsight, it was just before my back injury, probably like a month or so before that. It was weird. Like the day before I was lifting this massive pipe and just no problem doing it. And the next day I'm shoveling and I turn the wrong way and out goes my back. So I went to the doctor and he said, I'm going to have six months off work, right? This is another thing that's really common for people with ADHD is we're people pleasers. So I'm like, I'm not taking that time off. I'm getting right back in my car and going right back to the job site tomorrow, which is what I did. And I showed up on the job site and he's like, Keith, you made two mistakes today. Number one, I used to take the plans home, color code them. Red was hot, blue was cold because I couldn't, I'm, I also have a number of learning disabilities, so um, I always get them mixed up. And uh, and then second of all, you told us you had ADHD, so that was a piece. And then you showed up two days before your three-month probation. Now we don't have to give you a reason to fire you. Pack your bags and get off the job site, right? I was like, man, I thought I was doing the right thing, and there's a lot of people with ADHD who do this. Like, we think what we're doing is right, but it's more that impulse. We're like, we're not really thinking things through, right? So, so the big the big motivator there was again, my buddy telling me to get into it, uh, going to seeing this, see this coach. And he's just talking about that people didn't show up and, you know, just, he just had a poor attitude. And, and then the third big part was having that one person say, it's a great idea. I don't know. I've been able to maintain a hyper focus on it now for 12 years. So I must be doing something right <laughs> all these years. Yeah. If somebody needs you, how do they do that? We can take students, I say as young as grade 12, personally, because um, we primarily focus on on adult ADHD. Um, there's other coaches that can do the younger kids, but we're just, that's not really our forte. We like grade 12 and up who are highly motivated. You have to be in a position to want coaching. If you're stuck or depressed or whatever, that's counseling. There's You have to make the dif differentiation between the two coaching works just like a sports coach, right? If you wouldn't expect to go to the Olympics without having a coach, it's the same with, you know, if you want to be the best student you can be or best entrepreneur or best employee, you, you get somebody to help you get to where, where you need to be, right? Rather mm -hmm. than trying to do it yourself. So we take students grade 12. The only problem with grade 12 and younger is there's no funding, but the minute you hit post-secondary there is so uh, we do have a program in the summer that's a post-secondary transition that's to help them get set up with their student loans all of their accommodations um, how to communicate with teachers and flip from the mindset of um, you know you talk to your teachers in high school you're the teacher's pet you talk to your teachers at college or university that's the closest tie to industry you're going to get you buddy up to those guys and they'll they'll have your back all the way through right that was a, a lesson i learned right quick when i at NSCC. And then at the post-secondary level, we currently have 100% funding for post-secondary students. So it's uh, 1900 per semester. We see the students same day, same time, every week throughout. Literally, you can start the first day of any post-secondary program from the private colleges, NSCC, university, and you get all the way to PhD. And we can work with you as long as you're going through student loans. You don't have to take a student loan. You just have to self-disclose you have a disability through student loans. And um, yeah, we can work with you all the way through your post-secondary career. When you start to come out of that, we also contract through uh, 
Nova Scotia works and both in province and out, right? Um, there's other funding pots like the Opportunity Fund for people with permanent disabilities. There's all kinds of different ones. We also work within the First Nations communities. Oh, like I, I'm a grant guy, so I figured out how to, how to work grants. Uh, I, I didn't make more than 18 bucks an hour until I was 31 years old. So coming up with $150 an hour, $250 that the psychologists are charging, that's to me is just mind-boggling, right? So that was the very first thing that, that I wanted to do is make sure it was free or the limited amount possible that people would have to contribute. So we have that. And then for entrepreneurs, like I can work any grant known for that from the TAP programs to, I don't know, there's, there's a million different grants that we can work through for that. And just like the guy that I talked to this morning, he's like, can I run it through my business? So I was like, yeah, man, I'm your business coach, right? On the soft skills side of things, how to manage your time, how to separate yourself from work, right? Create some little work-life balance, how to get those grants and stuff that can help your business run more efficiently. Like that, that's my jam. And yeah, I've got a lot of people, a lot of money into <laughs> doing that one. So if people do want to contact me, the best way, I have a link tree. So um, has all my stuff. You either go through my website, which is addvocacy.org. And then in the top right corner, you can click a button and just schedule a call with me. Uh, you won't see any of my prices or anything listed on my website for a specific reason, because I always will try to work the grants and try to find it, make it free for you, right? Um, there's, I don't know any coach anywhere that does anything like that. Everybody's usually like out for the high ticket guy. I'm, that's not us. We are, we are more for the people. And I say us because I have four full-time staff. I got seven contractors. All of us are neurodivergent. That's the other piece. So I don't care what your degree is per se. What I'm most interested in is like if you have a backstory like mine, uh, that's the piece that people are going to be able to relate to, not who cares what you read in a textbook, right? That's how my coaching runs. But we are going to be adding counseling in the new year because a lot of people that are working, they don't qualify for the grants that I can get for people who are unemployed. So we're going to add counseling so we can take insurance programs and stuff like that. But same thing, those counselors will also all be neurodivergent. And that's kind of my, I'm a social entrepreneur. So it's kind of my claim to fame is that you don't have to explain yourself to any of us and nothing that anybody said is, isn't anything that any of us experienced in the past. So Keith, what you and advocacy does is so necessary Thank you for what you've done up to this point and best of luck moving forward. This is amazing. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on. To find out more about advocacy, visit their website, advocacy.org. That's A-D-D-V-O-C-A-C-Y. To find out more about rural innovation and what Ignite does, check out igniteatlantic.com. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you subscribed to Ignited, shared us with your friends, and gave us a good review. And remember, you can find past episodes anytime by looking over our archive, wherever you download your pods. We'd love to hear from you. Any comments or suggestions about the podcast or who you'd like to hear on it are most welcome. Email me at wade, W-A-D-E, at igniteatlantic.com. I'm Wade Cleveland. Thanks for listening. Talk soon. <laughs>